0: Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, Let this be known to you, and give ear to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my Spirit
1: The word of Jesus that comes to us today, he says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, this he said about the Spirit. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Happy Pentecost. Not sure how you respond to that. Uh, clap, shout, woohoo, uh, whatever. Put up your lighter, your, your phone with the light on it. I don't know. Uh, in the Zek house, uh, we have a few kids. And uh, one. I'm going to tell a story about one of them who shall not be named. Uh, but at one point, this young Zek kid was out in public, uh, probably in a place that was supposed to be quiet, um, the library or something like that. And Mama Zek said something like, um, you need to behave in a nice quiet voice. And this uh, unnamed Zek kid thought to themselves and said out loud, I am having. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. Behave, I am having. Um, Do you think the Zek child at that moment was having or behaving, as it were? Probably not, because they were shouting out the response to their dear mother uh, that they were in the right, even though... Their very action of shouting showed that they were in the wrong. Uh, sometimes we don't know where we are, right? We don't uh, see what other people see. Uh, they don't, uh, we might think to ourselves, I am having or I am behaving. And then other people might look at us and say, you don't even know what you just did. You have no idea where you really are. I don't know if you can relate to that. Maybe later you look back at your life or whatever and you say, wow, I guess I really was off kilter a little bit. Can you relate to that? Today is Pentecost, and Pentecost is all about what the Apostle Paul tells us, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We might read that and say to ourselves, I am filling. You know, just like that Zek kid said, I am having. And then we might think to ourselves, uh, or if the truth were revealed, we might find out that we're not really being filled with the Holy Spirit in the way that we're supposed to. I don't know. I think we all can relate to letting other spirits into our life. I don't mean this in a demonic sense, just that we go after things that we crave and love and all those things, right? We don't always, we're not always filled with the Holy Spirit in the way that we see in the Bible. And the results of being filled with the Holy Spirit don't always come out. The fruit of the Spirit aren't always flowing. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I think I missed one. But um, those aren't always growing on our tree, right? So we might think to ourselves, "I am filling, and we have some room to go." Would you agree? But the good news is, when it says, when Paul says, "Be filled with the Holy Spirit," what kind of? I know this is for grammar nerds out there. What kind of verb is that? It's a okay. All right, we have a fifth grader who knows this. Awesome. It's it's a, it's a whose mom likes to help. Uh, it's a passive verb. Be filled. It's different than saying fill yourselves with. See the difference? So the Holy Spirit today comes and wants to fill us. God sent the Holy Spirit to fill us. That's what he wants to do. Who's the one doing the work? Wants to do the work? The Holy Spirit. We are that, like the We're that recipient, we're that container that God wants to fill up with His Spirit. And the good news is, is that whether we walk, if you're a Christian, you are filled with the Holy Spirit, but sometimes you don't live that out. Does that make sense? You don't, you are not who, you, you do not act who you are. Sometimes, you know, as a son or a daughter, you're a bad son or a bad daughter. You forget to send a Mother's Day card. Or whatever. That doesn't mean you're no longer a son or a daughter. It just means you're goofed up, right? Okay. So the question is, why would you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Seems kind of sounds very religious, doesn't it? Come on now. Does it sound religious? It sounds very religious, and maybe a bit spooky, but it's not at all. If you look at your gospel reading, this is exactly why. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Your Gospel reading is short today. Jesus normally has people coming to Him, and He's sitting to teach like they do in the Middle East, and and He's just teaching His disciples. Today, our Gospel reading is different. It says that He stands up, and there's crowds everywhere because He wants the crowds to hear this. He says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to Me and drink. Jesus says here that he is the one who satisfies. Why would we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? We could say drink of the Holy Spirit. Because we need that satisfaction that only he can give. Uh, St. Augustine, before he was a saint, uh, he wasn't very saintly. Um, He he had a lot of problems. He was not raised in a Christian home, although his mother later became a, a Christian and prayed for his soul. And he started to interact with Christians, and because he was addicted to certain things, he said, Lord, this is in his memoirs, he says, God, make me chaste. That is, make me pure. But he said, not yet. Make me chaste, but not yet. He was not yet filled with the Holy Spirit. He still was craving something that he thought would satisfy him. But it didn't satisfy him. So the words of Jesus weren't yet true. He was thirsting, and he needed a drink of Jesus, and it took a while. He came into the kingdom kicking and screaming. Uh, his story is pretty cool, where he was at his wit's end, and he, he prayed, God, I want to be a Christian, but not yet. I want to be a Christian, but I don't want to die to myself. And so he was walking in his garden one day, and he heard someone over the, over the wall Uh, reading a passage of Romans and so he ended up reading the same passage actually kind of praying God opened the book to me and it fell open to Romans 13 and and it was a word that was exactly for him and this is what it says he said it says this Romans 13 verse 11 besides this you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed the night is far gone the day is at hand So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. That was written to Christians who were growing in holiness, but this non-Christian man heard it and said, this is exactly what I need. He drank of Jesus at that moment. You've probably heard St. Augustine say, um, our, our souls are restless until they find their rest in thee. Have you heard something like that? St. Augustine came to have that rest that only Jesus could give. I don't normally do this, but I have a similar story. I became a Christian, but I was still relying on my own efforts to be good. I wanted to prove that I was worthy of Jesus' love. So I've been a Christian six months, and I'm starting to get to the end of my ability to be good. At first, I could, like, stop doing this, start doing that, but it was all on the outside. My inside was still not right, and I heard this song by this this singer named Keith Green, and it said, my son, my son, why are you striving? You can't add one thing to what's been done for you. Rest in your faith. My peace will come to you. And then I also read my favorite verse, which has become my favorite verse, John three seventeen. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but rather that the world should be saved through him. I thought, since I didn't measure up and couldn't measure up, God really wanted to condemn me. That's the exact opposite. I can never measure up, but Christ can. That is the gospel, and he's measured up for us. Okay, so all that soul satisfaction that we find in Jesus, that comes through the Holy Spirit. And it comes to us, especially today as we remember Pentecost. So would you turn in your bulletin? We're going to look uh, at the day of Pentecost. I want to pull out four things. We'll start a little slow, and then it was a little broad, and then we'll, we'll take it home. So Acts chapter 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived. So Pentecost, as you might know, is you probably have never celebrated but faithful Jews celebrated it. It was uh, seven weeks after Passover, basically, and it was the time to bring in your wheat harvest. And it was, you, you would bring in two loaves of bread to God to say thank you, God, for bringing in this harvest. And you would wave before the priest, and, and later they say these two, these two loaves of bread signified our past and our future, both of which God has. So this day of Pentecost was a day of, of celebrating what God had given us in the harvest. So it was a fitting day that the beginning of the church would be this day of bringing in the harvest. This day of Pentecost went from 120 believers to 3,000 more. This is incredible. We have maybe 60 people here or or fewer. If we wanted to add proportionally 1,500 to our church today, do you think we could do it on our own? No. No. Maybe if we had $10 million and said, if you join, you get $1,000, then, you know, we might get enough people, but then we'd be out of money. And that would never work in the long run. Okay, so it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, it's this festival of in-gathering, they were all together in one place. Um, And just as an aside, this word, in English, it doesn't come out up as much, when the day of Pentecost arrived. Uh, In Greek, it's a very unique phrase. It's kind of like, when the promised day finally came. And it's so different that it's only used three times in the New Testament. The first one is in Galatians by by Paul, who says, uh, In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. So the first time, the first salvation history that God fulfilled was Jesus coming in the flesh. The second one is also by Luke, and this is in Luke chapter 9. It says this, and again, it doesn't sound like much in English, but in Greek it's very different when the days this is Luke 951 when the days drew near for him to be taken up he set his face to go to Jerusalem okay so the second epic in this new testament salvation is Jesus setting his face to go to Jerusalem because there he would accomplish what only he could accomplish the five wounds as you see on our, our altar banner that atone for the sins of the world his rising from the dead to proclaim that the forgiveness of sins is taken care of. And then we come to Acts chapter 2, and it's the third time this phrase is used, when the day of Pentecost arrived. This is the day when this forgiveness, won for the world, is going to spread out to the whole world. When the Spirit is not going to be just among us, but in us. Alright, that was a lot for verse 1. Verse 2 says, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Now notice, this is, it's a room probably like this big. 120 people are gathered together. And there's a, a noise. It doesn't say there's a wind. It says there's the sound of a wind. And apparently people will come because of this sound. It would be like if we had a siren going off in here. It sounded like a hurricane going through. Can you imagine it? Can you? That would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? But here, notice, there is no wind. It's as still as can be because verse 3 says this, and we can't even understand what this means, but it says, And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. There's fire right above each of their heads, and it's not blowing away. It's resting on them. This is a symbol. So, this is the, the day when Jesus' would, words would be fulfilled. Remember John the Baptist? People asked him, are you the, the prophet, the Messiah? He says, no, I baptize you with water for the forgiveness of sins, but one is coming after me whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. He will baptize you with, remember, the Holy Spirit and fire. That's the fulfillment here. Jesus is baptizing his people with the Holy Spirit and fire. Verse 4, and they were all Filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the miracle that happens. The other things are signs of it so that others would also believe. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And because of that, they begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Alright, so it's an amazing event. And because of this, people from every other language hear them speak in their own tongues. Right? People from down south, people who are uh, you know, live on the on the Arabian desert. People who live in the islands of Crete, all over, they hear in their own tongues. As these Galileans, who seem drunk, are filled with the Holy Spirit and speak. It's kind of odd. We can't understand it. And that exact thing does not happen. And it only happened a couple more times in the, in the Book of Acts, and not even to that same degree. It was a limited occurrence. But does that mean that? Being filled with the Spirit was back only for back then, for those beginners in the early church. No, it's for us here today as well. So I just want to show you four things that result from being filled with the Spirit, and some are very short. First one is that they were, they were given the power to praise God. Right? It says, the people who hear them say, we hear them speak in our own language the mighty works of God. When we're filled with the Spirit, we speak God's praise. And I could also say, if you're speaking God's praise, it's evidence that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's the first one, giving praise to God for all he does. Second thing is they proclaim. Like Peter says, hey, let me have your attention. These guys aren't drunk. They're not having whiskey before breakfast, as it might look. It's almost humorous. It's like, these guys aren't drunk. They're drunk on the the Spirit of God. So what you hear is a miracle. And then he talks about um, how this is a fulfillment of Joel, who says this, in the last days I'm going to pour out my Spirit on all flesh. My sons and daughters will prophesy. In this context, that means to proclaim. What are they proclaiming? In short, verse 21, Peter summarizes this from Joel. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. All right. So, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, or I should say, the Holy Spirit wants to fill you so that you might have the power to proclaim. To say, like, Jesus saved me. He can save you. That's what the Holy Spirit wants. He wants people to call on the name of Jesus. They can't do it on their own. In fact, we, we know from our catechism, um, I believe in the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to Him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the Gospel. So that's the second thing. Uh, given power to praise, power to proclaim that they might call on the name of Jesus. Third is power to pray. We won't talk about it, but all throughout the book of Acts, the the disciples are are praying to Jesus and amazing things happen. Um, And so when we pray, when God gives us uh, opportunity to pray, the Holy Spirit is with us. He's filling us. Last thing is, not from the book of Acts. It shows up in the book of Acts. But it's the power to prioritize. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll kind of wrap it up with this. 1 Corinthians says this about the Holy Spirit. And you can read this on your own. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3 starts off and says, No one can call the name of Jesus unless... No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. That's what we already said, call the name of the Lord. But then it says are talking about the priority of a person who is a Christian filled with the Holy Spirit to love other people in the church, right? This is what he says. There's a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given, listen carefully, to you is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You have gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you. What are they for? The common good. They're for others in the church and in the world. So the gifts that you have, the spiritual gifts you have, are not for yourself. They are for others, for the common good. He goes on, and we'll end with this. He says, Just as the body is one, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. So you have drunk of the one Spirit of God. You have come to Jesus because you were thirsty. Jesus comes to quench your thirst. He gives you the Holy Spirit. And by the Holy Spirit you can be filled as you receive and believe And from that will flow power to praise Him, power to proclaim to your friends and family that Jesus is Lord, power to pray, and power to prioritize others. May God be praised. In the name of Jesus. Amen.